JB, how's it going? I'm going pretty well. Uh, how are you doing, Holt Smash? <laughs> just hanging out, man, watching some Thursday night football. Unfortunately, yeah. no uh, no college, just crappy NFL, but I'll watch it anyway because I love football. Yeah, it's been an exhausting day for me. So I'm ready to uh, get into the full swing of this next weekend, week two of the college football season. Yeah, just uh, week, week two is just never as good. Like, you always get super excited for week one. I mean, week two, you're still pumped for football, but, like, it just seems like there aren't as many good games week two. It's always kind of a snooze fest. It is, but I always say I'd rather get the worst games out of the way early because we always are still going to be excited for the first couple weeks of the season just because football is finally here. And then we want to have the best games, you know, in October and November. Yeah. I mean, I just think they could spread it out a little bit better. That's just my opinion. I agree. We do, we do have a couple of good matchups this week, uh, especially in the, the SEC. I know Georgia-South Carolina is going to be probably the main game we're going to talk about today and, uh, you know, a few other ones. So, we see right. that. So, did you have any uh, good food to eat today or in the last couple of days? Yeah. Well, last night um, I, I went to Waffle House. I'm a big uh, Waffle House fan. Um and uh, t- today, yeah, I don't know how you hate Waffle House. I'm pretty sure like the only one. But uh, I was kind of the, you know, I was just kind of treating myself a little bit. Um, you know, I've been trying to eat healthy lately and, you know, we just finished uh, up with the work. You know, just got back from Jacksonville. I was there for a while and long drive back. So decided I'd try to reward myself a little bit. Went and crushed a all-star special. I know. Uh, I wish Alex was here so we could compare notes on what we get, but uh, I know you don't eat there. But I'll just go ahead and tell everybody out there my Waffle House order, and you can tweet us or or whatever, and tell me if I'm crazy or or what. But I usually go for the All Star Special. I get chocolate chips on my waffle, and then I'll get uh, scrambled eggs with cheese, double hash browns, bacon, and raisin toast. And to Man, me, that's double just... up on the bread. <laughs> well, I mean, it comes it comes with it, JB. I know you don't know that, but All Star Special is well, like well, like you get bread. Well, you get bread, waffle, and uh, and uh, hash browns. What are the bread options there? Like they don't even have biscuits. Uh, they have regular toast and wheat toast and raisin toast, and maybe I'm forgetting something, but. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. not Perkins. Yeah, well, it's Perkins also isn't open 24-7, and they're not, like, super cheap either. That is true. You get what you pay for, though. Yeah, I don't know about, I don't know about all that. But uh, anyway, what about, what about you? Have you had anything good lately? Uh, not really. I've been kind of just, you know, eating healthy this past week and trying to eat light. You know, I'm just gearing up for uh, <clears throat> really just trying to eat healthy during the week, so then on the weekends I can, you know, splurge a little bit. But I mean, yeah, I got I some, I, I got some good eating uh, planned out this weekend. I'm sure we'll have some good places to talk about uh, when we do a recap for week two on Sunday. Yeah, that's right. I'm making a a long-awaited return to Memphis. I haven't been in a while, so uh, I got to go up there and eat my way through Memphis. I go to all my favorite spots. So I know, uh, we we gotta yeah like we gotta talk about what, what we're gonna have for lunch tomorrow. Uh, I don't even know what we want. Yeah, I don't know either. I was thinking central, um, but also had ribs today. Um, that my yeah, uncle the th- made. Yeah, the thing about central is we will not go to the new location. 
because no. it's uh, nothing nearly as good. Yeah. I was going to say, if you want to try another new barbecue place, the one I've mentioned before is One Only Barbecue. That's a solid place to go to. Is that the one that's right by you? It is, right across the street. And their nachos are really top-notch. Like, they really, really load up the nachos, too. Like, they give you a lot of uh, cheese and lots of pork. Yeah, that's good. Maybe. We'll see. I, I don't know. I'm I'm thinking maybe, maybe one of the more... Yeah, I'm thinking I don't want to... Uh, try something new. I'm thinking I may want to just go to the places I know. But yeah, uh, yeah like Gus's Gus's would be solid. Gus's is probably the best fried chicken in the world. I've, like, I've never had better than Gus's in my life. It is. Oh, this past week I did try a Memphis staple, uh, Jack Pearl's fried chicken. They have, it's just a local Memphis chain, eight locations spread throughout Memphis. and It's pretty solid. It wasn't bad. Uh, it's really, really cheap. I got a four-piece uh, white meat uh, plate that with uh, fries and two biscuits, and that plate only costs seven forty nine. Wow! Yeah, two breasts and two wings, and then a side of fries and two biscuits for seven forty nine. That's pretty incredible it's in today's age. Though. Definitely. Um, but yeah, so uh, I know me and you are going to be hanging out some this weekend. We'll definitely uh, be watching all the games on Saturday and watch some of the NFL games on Sunday. So looking forward to it. Should be a good time. And we'll definitely yeah. stuff our faces also. Yeah, definitely. So I'm trying to think of uh, some of the uh, big tackling too from that happened in the past week. Uh, one was uh, Tua being officially named the starter this week. And I think uh, it's, it's pretty much Saban has closed the book on that quarterback battle, which I think we all knew it was going to happen. Yeah, I think it was pretty obvious that first game that Tua is the guy um, I think he's going to be the guy going forward. He's just so electric, uh, makes so many big plays, um, you know, that Jalen Hurts just hasn't been able to make um, the last couple of years when he's been the starter. So, yeah, I think it's they're probably going to roll it to it, just like, kind of like everybody had, you know, kind of seen that it would be. But, uh, you know, I still think Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback, and, you know, I'm not really sure what his future holds. But uh, I think the, the, the biggest story – about Tua for me is just, and I've said this before, is just can you limit the turnovers and, you know, negative plays? Um, I mean, to me, when you're the quarterback at Alabama, you really don't need to be great. You know, you just need to not screw it up. Right. So, I mean, uh, Alabama, it, yeah, during the uh, Saban era at Alabama, it's pretty much just be a game manager for us. That's all we need you to be because that's that's been – the prototype quarterback at Alabama under Nick Saban has just been a solid game manager. Yes, I am even talking about A.J. McCarron. He was a glorified game manager. He was the best of the game managers. But now <laughs> Saban has a actual really good quarterback that can win games on his own. Quarterback just going to manage the game. So that's a new dimension for these Nick Saban teams. He now has a quarterback, first time in his 12 years in Tuscaloosa, that he has a quarterback that can win a game on his own. Right. Yeah, and it has shown that he can do some big things against some good defenses, too. Um, he does. In that Georgia game last year, you know, he's not one of those guys that's going to, you know, curl up into a ball in a big game. He's going to, you know, he's going to let it loose. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, another storyline, too, that uh, I was wanting to talk about was uh, LSU linebacker Chase on, uh, former five star recruit was one of their best players is out for the season with an ACL injury. Is that a, like, were you about the LSU defense at all? Or do you think they're just going to be, they're just going to keep rolling? No, like I, I still like the LSU defense. 
to, uh, you know, make the adjustments around it. And, you know, at LSU, they always have somebody waiting in line to come in and contribute. So I don't think it hurts them that much. Yeah, it does hurt them from a leadership standpoint, you know, just from his field. But I'm not, I'm not going to be concerned about it. And also, I noticed that um, Tennessee lost their starting center for the season, too. After one game, uh, their Alabama transfer, Brandon Kennedy. So now uh, the already thin offensive line at Tennessee is in trouble, too. That's that's one I would be more concerned with rather than the LSU one because LSU, they got plenty of depth at the linebackers. Tennessee has no depth on the offensive line. Yeah, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, at Tennessee, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they do going forward. They struggle with uh, injuries a lot the last few years. I don't know what is in the water up there, but you just got to – I don't know. Couldn't quite tell you either. Thought they were supposed to have like a bunch of new trainers this year. It was going to keep everybody healthy. What's up? Well, they did. Well, uh, you know, going into the season, this is the first time in like, I think that they had the entire team healthy going into the season, and they didn't have any guys in walking boots because under the Butch Jones regime, they had about five to ten guys that were on injury, you know, injury charts, <laughs> right, or an injury report, but. Yep, there's your first injury, first of many probably. Yeah. I don't, I, don't I still think the curse, the curse is still there in Knoxville. Yeah, it's it's just really tough. I mean, you really hate to see that, especially this early in the season. Like, you know, these guys work so hard in the off season, and you know, going through summer conditioning and all that stuff, and spring ball and fall camp. You know, which I assume is just brutal for a lot of these guys, and then just to get hurt like the first game of the season, be out for the year, it's just that's just really tough. It is. It is really tough. And it's just they put so much work, you know, throughout the off season. All that hard work through the, you know, six, seven months through, you know, the spring and the hot summer workouts and then fall camp and then it all just ends within one snap. And yeah. it's just it's a shame. Absolutely it's a shame. Yeah, you really hate to see it. But uh, you know, it's just that's part of the game, that's how it goes. You know, next man up. And, uh, you know, it is what right. it is. But uh, we can go ahead and start talking about some of these games if you want. We're going to do our picks uh, at the end of the show. But if you want to just go ahead and start talking about some of these games, unless there's another storyline that you wanted to talk about. Definitely, yeah. Are you wanting to start off with the uh, non-SEC games and just get through those? Or do you want to start with SEC? Uh, we can do whatever you want, JB. I was thinking um, since we do our picks at the end, and I mean, right now we're really just talking about them. You know what I mean? We don't really need to. Yeah. Well, I, I do know we're picking five non-SEC games this week. But uh, one I do want to discuss, and I think you'd want to discuss it too, is the USC-Stanford game. And this yeah. game is going to be played in Palo Alto. So this will be played at, at Stanford's home field. And this is kind of an intriguing matchup in the Pac-12. I feel like the winner of this game will put themselves in position to compete with Washington for the Pac-12 championship. So it's 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 a uh, really uh, interesting matchup too, and USC uh, coming off a disappointing season. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, this is a really big game um, for the Pac-12. You know what I mean? It's two ranked teams, two teams that you know, especially USC always gets hyped up a lot. They're supposed to be really good on defense this year. I know Clay Helton's a defensive guy. Um, T. Martin's still their offense coordinator, right? He is indeed. So <laughs> I got T. Martin calling the plays and. You know, it should be, you know, it should be a really fun game. Um, 
I'm pick Stanford to go to the playoff this year, so I'm really hoping that they can get the win this week. This week against San Diego State, so made me a little bit nervous with that. But uh, I think Bryce Love is going to get back on track this week. And uh, K.J. Costello, the quarterback for Stanford, um, I saw some really good things out of him last week. And uh, I really expect him to kind of be that difference maker that they didn't have at the quarterback position last year. Right. And to, for me, USC, for them to have a shot in this game, they're going to have to control the line of scrimmage on defense, especially their defensive line. Because if Stanford, you know, can get the running game going with Bryce Love, then I just don't see how USC has a shot. Because USC's offense, I know there's a lot of people that love T. Martin. I don't think T. Martin's the greatest offensive coordinator, in my opinion. He's not really an X's and O's guy. He's more of a play caller, if you if you will. So I I don't really trust USC's offense, even with T. Martin. I'm I guess I'm one of those uh, Tennessee people that is uh, relieved that he didn't get the head coaching position because I think he would have been an absolute colossal failure. Yeah, I know. And it, it was really, you know, weird to hear that stuff last year. Uh, so many people were pushing him for that job. And a lot, a lot of those people don't really know a lot about college football. You know what I mean? It wasn't, like a lot, it wasn't a lot of, like, really, um, like, I don't know. I, I don't want to say smart, but just, like, really, like, people who really follow college football and, like, are really – in tune with like everything that goes on with coaching hires. It was just people who were like, I, I don't know. I guess they just assumed that just because he played quarterback there, that that automatically means that he's going to go back and be the head coach and just be great. I mean, he, I correct me if I'm wrong, but he didn't even call the plays of USC last year. Right. Wasn't it? Uh, the Tennessee offensive coordinator this year, Tyson. It Hilton was. Or, yeah. Tyson. Yeah, he, he, he called the, the plays, plays last year. So yeah. you're going to take, a quarterback's coach who didn't even call the plays and make him a head coach just because he played quarterback there. Like, it yeah, just makes no sense at all. I think a lot of Tennessee fans, you know, were just hurt by the whole coaching search, and they're like, let's just hire T. Martin and ride because he, he won us a national championship as our starting quarterback. He knows what it takes. He's going to win here, so let's, let's just go ahead and hire him without even looking at the data and the fact yeah. that he's never been a head coach, and he wasn't ready whatsoever. No. And I, I think uh, T. Martin might be a little upset that he wasn't considered in the end. But I think Tennessee ultimately dodged the bullet by not hiring him. But as I was yeah, yeah but as I was discussing, I think USC, to have a shot in this game, they're going to have to control the line of scrimmage, especially on defense. And they have an opportunity to do that. And I like USC to keep this one close. But obviously we'll uh, discuss more later in the podcast and uh, make our selections for this game. Yeah, should be a really good game. And I, I like what you said about USC on defense. They're really going to have to uh, control the line of scrimmage to keep, you know, that really good Stanford running game and Bryce Love in check. Because uh, if they don't, then it's going to be a long game for sure. But Definitely. Uh, moving on, did you want to uh, maybe talk about the Penn State pit game? Going from one of my uh, playoff picks to another one in Penn State. Um, kind of a rivalry game that they just renewed a couple of years ago. They've had some close games. Pitts won a couple. Um, but that being said, I'm not really too worried about it this year. I think Pitts a little bit better than they were last year, but I still don't think they're quite on Penn State's level. What do you think? Oh, absolutely not. I, I, I know that uh, Pitt actually beat Penn State in upset two years ago. And that was, I think, one of Penn State's only loss of the season two years ago to Pittsburgh. I think it was. Or did they lose two right. games two years ago? Yeah, because I, I do they remember they the had Rose Bowl. They did go to the Rose Bowl and played an awesome game against USC, and everyone was talking about Penn State and USC being, you know, two potential national champions this following season of both oh, teams. Oh, you know kinda... what? No, they lost to Michigan that year too. Okay, so there you go. They went ten and two. 
But still, if they had not lost to Pitt that year, they may have had an outside shot of making the playoff, you know, hindsight 2020. Right. But I, I don't see this game this year being close whatsoever. And it is an intriguing rivalry. Uh, State College and Pittsburgh are not far from each other whatsoever. And I, I'm glad to see that rivalry renewed. And another rivalry I want to see renewed in that in that area is also Pittsburgh and West Virginia because Morgantown yeah. and Pittsburgh are close to one another as well. And, you know, two battles between two coal mining cities. It's It was a great rivalry. The backyard brawl. I missed that game. I do too. Like it was fun. Uh, that's that's what the the worst thing. Like realignment is so much fun, and it's so much fun to talk about more than anything. It Let's is talk about like it... all the possibilities, but like the things you hate are the rivalries that get lost because of it. Yeah, that's what gets sacrificed with the realignment. Uh, we lost Lone Star uh, rivalry with uh, Texas A&M in Texas. Uh, we lost Oklahoma Nebraska. We lost Nebraska Colorado. Although that rivalry is being renewed uh, this year. Uh, you Missouri know, Kansas as well. Missouri, Kansas, that's another one that was lost. That's the one uh, negative aspect of realignment is you will sacrifice some rivalries. And if the athletic directors for both of those schools don't really put in the effort, then the rivalry is pretty much lost forever. Yeah. But uh, you mentioned uh, Nebraska-Colorado. They're meeting again this week. Nebraska didn't play week one, um, so we're still waiting on the first game for Scott Frost. Um. You know, I don't really know much about Colorado uh, this year, um, but I still think this should be an interesting game. Just kind of an old robbery, and obviously Scott Frost, what he did at UCF, back at his alma mater. Um, you know, they're all really excited up there, and looks like he's recruiting pretty well too. So, you know, it should be an interesting matchup this week. It is, and uh, Nebraska, I think, is a three, three-and-a-half-point favorite last I saw. It is in Lincoln. And it's it's their first game of the season. Adrian Martinez, a true freshman, is going to be their starting quarterback. And I, I like this Nebraska team. I, I think this team will make it to a bowl. Uh, Cumber wasn't really left bare completely for Scott Frost. And we know how awesome Scott Frost is as a coach. And he's going to get the most out of these guys. And I think this Nebraska team can win seven or eight games. And I think this Colorado game is definitely – yeah, I think so, too. Um, yeah, and, and since they lost that game, game last week, yeah, the most important thing for them is they lost that game last week, which could be the difference between bowl eligibility or not, which really puts the pressure on them to win seven games. Right. Or actually and not then, seven, six games. Yeah. And uh, Colorado um, as well beat Colorado State last week. Um, Colorado State looks like a really not good team. Um, yeah, they don't look good at actually, all. Actually. Is Arkansas is playing them this week, so uh, that they should are. be a good game as well that we'll we'll talk about be. a little bit. It should be. Um, and then let's see the other national games are uh, Michigan State at Arizona State. Um, yeah, well, that's a good one too. Uh, Herman Edwards' uh, first chance at a signature victory. Right, and Mark D'Antonio struggling against Utah State. Uh, the first Friday night, which just seems like it's something he does every year. Yeah, um, and that, that's that's kind of an interesting one. Uh, you, I don't know if, why Michigan State struggled last week. It, it seems like under Mark D'Antonio, they struggle to win a lot of games. Yeah, inferior teams. I don't know what it is about them. It seems like they just play the level of their competition. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, The little bit of that game I saw, it just seemed like the play calling was really 
you know, in question. They just seem like they just always want to just run the ball, like, straight up the middle, like, no matter what. And just not a lot of creativity there. But, yeah, uh, Michigan State is kind of just um, – I don't know how, how to describe it. I guess you can say they're that boring Big Ten team. They're like, they're not exciting to me whatsoever. Like, I'm, they're not like Wisconsin. Wisconsin, to me, is a lot more exciting to watch. But Michigan State, uh, Michigan State, Iowa, like those two teams just kind of play like really, really boring football. And <laughs> they play a lot of close games, you know, like 13-10 type games. I, I mean, yeah. I guess those fan bases like it, but I don't know. <laughs> and it seems like they always point at like, you know, the other team's like 35-yard line and stuff like that. Yeah, like it feels just... like uh, it feels like there's a lot of three and outs when Michigan State plays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm be... really dogging Michigan State, like, because I really, really respect the program that D'Antonio runs. I mean, oh, it's definitely. just, a, it's just, it's just a boring program to me. I mean, but I, I, I highly respect what D'Antonio's done, and they did, you know, peak a few years ago and make it to the to the playoff. But we found out the talent discrepancy real quick when they faced Alabama. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that kind of offense against Alabama. I mean, you had to see that coming. Yeah, it was too obvious. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just talking about Arizona State a little bit, you know, they won their first game against uh, Texas San Antonio pretty easily. Um, so, I mean, I I think a lot of people are really down on the Herm Edwards hire, and I'm not going to dispute that. But, uh, you know, it's definitely, you know, really interesting to see him, you know, how they're going to do, um, you know, this year and, and going forward with him. Uh, it's definitely kind of an interesting hire, I thought. Yeah, that was really a higher out of left field. Like, I was not expecting that whatsoever. And nobody was expecting it. And especially Herm Edwards, like, a guy that hasn't coached in over a decade and hasn't even been in the college level, you know, in two yeah. decades. And goes back to the college level as a head coach after sitting in the ESPN booth for 10 years. You would, If he was going to coach again, you would have expected him maybe to get an NFL position. But right. nope, he is back at the college level, and he's – He's kind of in a somewhat pressure-free environment at Arizona State, but also in an environment that's set up to be successful because Arizona is a not a terribly talent-rich state, but it's it's pretty talented. And you've got California nearby, too, that you've got plenty of talent to tap into over there as well. And Tempe, Arizona is a pretty nice place. It's a destination. It's outside uh, of Phoenix. It's a destination school for sure. It you know, is it's definitely somewhere that can, like, people all over the country know about Arizona State and know it's – they do. It's so. it's the biggest uh, campus in the country too. I think it is actually bigger than UT Austin. So it's the uh, biggest campus. I think last I saw, they have an enrollment of. I can't I have to say it, maybe it's like an undergrad enrollment of about fifty five thousand. Wow, which is incredible. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, ima- imagine having fifty five thousand coeds in the same school. Sounds like one yeah. big orgy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's some of that going on. But uh, keeping it on the football field, uh, it is kind of interesting that everybody hated on Herm Edwards getting hired and everyone praised Kevin Sumlin at Arizona. And then Arizona goes out and loses their first game to BYU and Arizona State wins uh, a game against, you know, I mean, a pretty decent uh, non-group of five school or non-power five school. So, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that, I like uh, Herb Edwards more than Kevin Sumlin going for it, but it's kind of funny that uh, that it happened like that. It is, because, I mean, if you had to make me choose between one of the two, I would pick Kevin Sumlin probably 10 out of 10 times. 
even if I'm not the biggest Sumlin fan, I would still pick Sumlin 10 times cause just because he knows the college game well and he came from the best conference in the country. And he still had some success at A&M and right. the SEC. So he, he kind of, in, in more of a you know less pressure environment for Sumlin at Arizona, I think he's in position to win. But anyways, I think we'll, we'll move on from the Michigan State-Arizona State game and cover our last uh, non-SEC game. And that will be the big rivalry in the uh, Plains states of Iowa with uh, Iowa State and Iowa. Yeah, it's always a really underrated game. Um, you know, even though they're in different conferences, they do still uh, manage to play each other every year, which I wish some other schools would, would uh, do as well. But uh, it's always a really fun game. Iowa State had this game won last year, and uh, Iowa came back to get the win. I think it was in overtime. Uh, this is before Iowa State went on their run um, of beating, like, TCU and Oklahoma and, you know, all that. So, I definitely think uh, Iowa State's going to be out for revenge in this game. Um, I actually think they might be the better team. But, uh, you know, Kirk Ferentz, I mean, he just – as much as, like, we make fun of him and, like, he talk about how boring he is, and rightfully so, like, he – He's a really good coach. And, like, they always are a hard-nosed team. They're always, you know, ready to play. And you really can't count them out against anybody. Absolutely not. And, and Ferentz, you know, he's not going to ever have the most talented teams at Iowa, but his teams are always ready to play every week. And they're always good to have at least one signature win at home every year. They always beat somebody good at home. Like, last year they beat uh, Ohio, State. Who was it? Uh, Ohio State, which was impressive. Two years ago they beat Michigan at home. Exactly. Second field goal. You know, exactly. we've seen it. We've seen it so many times with Iowa and uh, Iowa talking about you know Arizona State being kind of a party school. I think uh, Iowa is as well. It is a Iowa. Of, uh, a, it's a lot of fun in Iowa City. And speaking yeah. of Iowa City, I, I've been to Iowa City actually. I was there a couple of years ago, uh, driving back from a wedding, and I stopped in Iowa City for about an hour just to look around the town and the campus and. I was impressed. I really liked it. It was actually the day before college football season opened, too, and Iowa had a game the next day. And I really liked it. I walked around Kinnick Stadium. I didn't go inside. Couldn't find a little place to sneak in. But it was really nice. Uh, The children's hospital wasn't completed yet. It was still being built. That's actually – and, of course, not to try to get off a tangent here, but that's probably one of my new favorite traditions in college football is at the end of the first quarter when Iowa waves at the uh, children – you know, the children of the children's hospital all the fans yeah. in Kinnick Stadium. That's a really un- unique tradition. It can almost bring a tear to love some people's eyes. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I haven't been to Iowa. I actually have been to Ames, where Iowa State is. I actually have been there before, believe it or not. Um, but uh, I think the stadium at Iowa is like – I've heard it's like built like into the ground. So it's kind of like you walk in and you're like already at mid-level and the field is like down below It you. is. It is. I remember when I was driving around it uh, – like, you can't even – you could see the field really well because when we were driving around it, like, it doesn't really seem menacing, but when you get into it, it's just it's just built down. I think that's yeah. how a lot of the stadiums, you know, are, are built in the Big Ten country too. That's how the big house is built as well, and that's how, you know, Notre Dame Stadium in South Bend is built as well. Yeah, and the, there's, like, no bench room on the sideline either. Like, it's literally, like, sideline and then, like, 10, 15 feet and then just, like, the student sections right there for the visiting team. Right. That's yeah, really like, cool. Yeah, this 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 is a, this is a fun rivalry. Uh, Iowa is a really, really, really scrappy team. They always are going to play everybody tough. Uh, they really built themselves on dominating. You know, in the trenches, 
they don't have the best skill position players, but they're always good. They're always going to have a good running game going. You can always bet that with with Ferentz's offense. Uh, they usually like to set up use the run to set up the pass with uh, Ferentz's pro style system. Their defense is always going to be stingy under Phil Parker, their defensive coordinator. And I, I, Iowa is kind of one of my uh, sleeper teams this year, believe it or not. I actually think they have a chance to win nine or ten games just with their schedule alone. And they might yeah. be able to sneak up on some teams and might even actually be able to – because after this game, uh, I think it's next week or two weeks from now, Iowa hosts Wisconsin. And that's going to be a huge matchup in that division. It always is. What's the what's the trophy for that one? The, the you what? Know, you know? What's the trophy for that one? All those Big Ten games have like a trophy. I can't remember, but that the Iowa Wisconsin game that's always been a pretty good one. And this year it's yeah. in it's oh, yeah. in Ken- it's in uh, well, it, Iowa City. Yeah, and that's always been the game that determines the Big Ten West. It seems like the last few years it is. You know, usually whoever wins that game is going to be facing you know the winner of the East. So yeah, in the Big and Ten not championship to, game. Yeah, and not to try to talk about this game too much more, but I, I do want to give a call out to Matt Campbell. I really like the job that he's done at Iowa State too. Matt Campbell's. Uh, really turning this Iowa State program around. Got a huge victory in the Liberty Bowl last year against a really good Memphis team. Matt Campbell flirted with a few positions in the offseason, but ended up staying in Ames, Iowa. And I can respect him for that. I really like what he's doing at Iowa State. And good things are to come if he can hang around there a little bit longer. Yeah, I agree. Definitely created a lot of excitement there uh, in the football program. He did. Um, and also, not just the win against Memphis, but of course, he did have that upset victory against uh, Oklahoma. That was yeah, probably beat, his most impressive victory. And they and beat we were TCU watching that game like together. the next week. We did, and you and I were watching that Oklahoma game together when that happened. Where was that? Where were we at? We were in. We had just uh, came back from Destin, and we were at your place, and we were just watching football all day. And that was one of the games we flipped over to. Oh wow! Surprised you remember that. Not good memory. <laughs> Usually, I can't remember where I'm watching big games at. Uh, I don't know why, but like, I always remember that too. Or like a lot of big games, I can remember exactly where I was when I was watching it. Right. But uh, so now we will move on. We'll, we'll move on now to the SEC, which is what everyone's waiting for. So those of you that have hung around with us long enough, we appreciate your patience. We're now going to move on to talk about the best conference in the country and the best games. All right. So. Um, do we want to discuss all of the games, or do we want to just talk about the marquee ones? Well, we can just we can just mention all the the lower games and then talk about. I think there's maybe four games we should talk about, and then the rest yeah. of them we can just kind of mention and maybe just say like a sentence or two about it. Okay. Well, we'll we'll start off with Arkansas State, Alabama, and I, I kind of feel like Arkansas State's a little bit disrespected just by judging by the line. They got Alabama as a thirty six and a half point favorite. Granted, I know that Alabama is a lot more talented. They're at home. But let's make no mistake, Blake Anderson's running a really awesome program at Arkansas State. This might be the best team that Blake Anderson's had this year uh, in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And I, I actually like Arkansas State to cover in this game. I don't think Alabama's going to win. And we know how Nick Saban teams are week two against their, uh, you know, their Sunbelt Mac type opponent. They're always really vanilla. And I expect them to be vanilla in this one. Yeah. No, Saban does not run up the score in these games. So, if you're ever looking for a chance to bet against Alabama, this would be the week. Um, Absolutely. Don't do it and in Arkansas a big State's game. Gonna be, yeah. And Arkansas yeah, State's yeah. going to be ready to play, too. No, that's, They're a really Arkansas, good team. You can't, sleep, you can't sleep on them. No, you can't. I mean, they've won the Sun Belt, like, 
Seems like every year. They did. Yeah. They 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 nearly won it last year, but uh, Troy ended up prevailing. But uh, yeah. the Arkansas State Troy game last year, the winner of that game at the end of the season ended up winning the Sun Belt, which Troy won at the end. But I, I like Arkansas State to keep this under thirty six. I actually could see them uh, keeping this under twenty potentially. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I maybe do. not that. Far. I mean, I, it's not. It's not because I don't dislike how, like I don't dislike Alabama or anything. I just know the tendency with Saban that he's really vanilla. I could see this kind of being a low-scoring game. But I, I like Arkansas State to keep this closer than what the line is showing. Right. I agree with that. All right. The next one we'll move on to, this should be on paper it's a laugher, but it may not be, and that's East Tennessee State and Tennessee. And the, what's intriguing about this matchup is not just because how geographically close both campuses are, but also East Tennessee State's university's coach is Randy Sanders, who was once an offensive coordinator under Philip Fulmer, uh, replaced David Cutcliffe, and was an offensive coordinator at Tennessee for eight years uh, before he ended up leaving. So he's got a, this is a guy with Tennessee roots as well that's playing in Knoxville, and this is a guy that's going to really, really want to win this game. So this is one of those games that uh, has a Nickel State-Georgia feel from two years ago. I think this game is going to be closer <laughs> – than people think. Yeah, I I don't know about that. I know Kenny Chesney <laughs> went to uh, Eastern Tennessee. That's all I really know about ATSU. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I just think after last week that the offense is really going to come out with something to prove, and they're going to uh, you know really be locked in this week and looking to put up a lot of big numbers. So I definitely like Tennessee big in this game, and uh, you know I hope it's not a close game just for Tennessee's sake. But, uh, yeah, like, I'm, not, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying it is a close, going to be a close game, but I'm saying it still has that Nickel State Georgia feel. Like Tennessee might have to find a way to win. I don't. It's not. It's not the battered ball syndrome in me either. I just. It just has that feeling to it. What's the? Uh, what, what time does the game start? It's a three o'clock start, so it's competing with the Georgia South Carolina game. Okay, as long as it's not on. As long as the Tennessee game and the Mississippi State game aren't on at the same time, I think we'll be all right. Yeah, but even then, uh, the Georgia-South Carolina game is going to be the primary game for me. Like, I, I'm more about watching the better games. So, That's moving good. on, uh, another game we can talk about briefly is the Nevada-Vanderbilt game. Uh, Vanderbilt is hosting Nevada in Nashville, and they're a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. I think that's pretty reasonable, I'd say. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. This I, I like Nevada a little bit more than Middle Tennessee State. I just think they can do a little bit more on the offensive side of the ball and uh, maybe give Vanderbilt a little bit more of a challenge than they faced last week with Middle Tennessee State. But that being said, I was really impressed with the way Vanderbilt played last week. And, um, you know, they definitely – you know, they blew the line out of the water, which you like to see. That's what good football teams do. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can do that back-to-back weeks and maybe if uh, Vanderbilt may have something cooking this year. Yeah, I think we both uh, picked Vanderbilt in preseason to win this one. And Vanderbilt looked pretty good last week. They looked a lot better than I expected. And uh, this is one of those games that Vanderbilt needs to win, too. Like, this – I wouldn't call it a must-win, but for them to compete to have a bowl eligibility at the end of the season, this is one they have to win. So, I think they're going to come in fired up for this one. Yeah, I think so, too. Right. So, uh, moving on, uh, another game that's probably going to be a laugher is uh, Southern Illinois at Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is going to come out probably more about 50, 60 points in this one. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be a big game for the uh, Ole Miss offense. The uh, 
That's right. Uh, so last week, <laughs> is that hard for you to hear? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, last week's um, Ole Miss's defense did pretty well against the run. Um, they're facing a pretty good running back uh, this week. Um, God, I can't think of his name. I think it's DJ Davis is his name. He's an All-American Division II running back. Um, and that's just, just something to, to throw out there, something to look for. You know, maybe, uh, you know, Ole Miss's run defense wasn't really tested last week. Um, they, I think I saw a stat that said that they held Texas Tech to 76 yards uh, below what they were giving up per game last year. So it looks like they may have made some, some improvements in the run defense, which is big for them this year. So if they can uh, shut down this running back this week, um, that would definitely be a good sign. But, you know, there's definitely just something to watch for because, you know, he's not a big dude. I think he's like 5'8", like 160 or something, just a really small dude, but big-time player, puts up a lot of big numbers in Division Two. So just a little fun fact um, to look for, um, you know. Don't be surprised if uh, maybe he has a little bit of a big game and keeps him in it early. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to say I, I disagree with you on it, but I, I like Ole Miss to win this one big. Oh, yeah. No, I do too. I'm just saying it's just it's a little something to, to watch out for yeah. with that, that Ole Miss run defense, that they can have yeah, back-to-back uh, solid performances. Yeah, I expect Ole Miss to win this one big, probably have this one over at halftime so that they can give their starters a rest and have them ready to go for a huge matchup the following weekend. So uh, we'll move on to uh, another laugher in the conference, as we say, Southeastern Louisiana at LSU. Uh, I don't know. Do you, I don't think it's going to be a letdown game for LSU. What do you think? No, I don't think there's really anything to this game. Um, I think they're going to let Joe Burrow throw the ball a little bit more this week, um, try to get some of those talented receivers involved, and um, see if they can't get some more continuity in the passing game going forward. They got the big matchup with Auburn next week. Um, I think that's kind of the game they're focused on. I think this is going to be kind of a, you know, they may just sleepwalk through this game and win it easily. Yeah, I agree. I, I like LSU to just uh, win this convincingly. I don't think it's going to – I don't think their offense is going to score a lot of points. I think it'll probably, you know, somewhere maybe in the 30s. But I don't see Southeastern Louisiana getting into the double digits either. It'll probably be like a final score, probably like, you know, 30 to 6 or something. Yeah, Absolutely. So I'm moving and, uh, on to the next one. All right, you want to keep you want to stay on this one for a little bit? Oh no, I was just saying like next week is is the week for LSU. You know, it is obviously like, big game against at Auburn. So uh, that's definitely what they're looking for this week. Yeah, we really just want to get through this week because next week it's going to be a kind of a separation week in the SEC West. So I'm I'm excited about next week, but we just got to get through this week first. And uh, the next one we're gonna move on to is your boy is hosting the Cowboys of Wyoming. Yeah, that's right. Mr. Uh, Mr. Horsecock Drew Locke going to be uh, throwing doms all over the place this week against uh, the Wyoming Cowboys. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of wish they were playing last year because uh, it would have been, you know, Josh Allen, Drew Locke. It would have been an awesome quarterback matchup. Right. Even if Wyoming still had Josh Allen this year, I'd still pick Missouri. Missouri's offense is just way too good. I really, yeah. I mean, the, I, I'm. The question I'm for me in this Missouri game, team. the question for me in this game is uh, Missouri's defense against Wyoming's offense. Um, obviously, we know Missouri's defense struggled last year, especially early. Can they 
shut down this Wyoming offense and make it a blowout. So I, I know Drew Locke's going to have a big game. Um, you know, we joke about him a lot, and I'm obviously a huge fan of his. Um, so, uh, you know, it'd just be interesting to see if that Missouri defense can really step up and dominate this game against a group of five team. Right. So, yeah, we'll, we'll both, uh, you know, we both know that Missouri's probably going to win this one big. So we'll move on from this one. And uh, we've got two more uh, minor games to cover before we hit to the big ones. Uh, Arkansas and Colorado State. Uh, this one, I don't think it's going to be uh, a blowout like some people think. I actually think this one could be close. Colorado State's offense under Mike Bobo is the kind of offense that can give this Arkansas defense fits with its, uh, you know, trickery. And I think uh, Mike Bobo is going to pull out all the stops in this one, you know, with Arkansas traveling out to Colorado. And don't be surprised if Colorado State keeps this one close all the way through the fourth quarter. Wow. Yeah, I'm actually going to disagree with you uh, on this one. This is a game before the season that I, I agreed with you, and I thought it was kind of a, just an interesting game um, looking at it. But uh, after seeing Colorado State play the first couple weeks, uh, they've already, they already have two losses, and they just do not look like a good football team whatsoever. Um, I think Arkansas is going to go out there and beat them pretty easily. Um, this is, you know, Arkansas obviously had a big game last week against Eastern Illinois, won easily, and uh, I think it's going to be something similar this week. Uh, there you have it. So uh, we'll, we'll both pick Arkansas, but uh, it's going to be, in your opinion, it's a blowout. In my opinion, I think it's going to be Arkansas puts them away at the end. So moving on, uh, we'll go to the Alabama State-Auburn game. Uh, not really much to talk about here. Auburn's going to be in between big games. Uh, I think it's going to be one of those games they're going to they're gonna be have it over with, you know, before halftime. So the rest are starters. And have them ready to go for LSU next week. Auburn will win this one big. Yeah, I think so too. I don't really think there's much to this game. Alabama State is in Montgomery, Alabama, just so you know. Because uh, I, I saw it when I was there not too long ago. <laughs> nice campus. Uh, I didn't really see the cameras. I just saw the baseball field, and no, it was not very nice. <laughs> and there you go. It probably looked like a sandlot. So, uh, <laughs> all right, so moving on. We got the four bigger games of the week that we're going to move on to. We'll we'll start off with the – let's start off with the Mississippi State and Kansas State game. Okay. So, Mississippi State is going to be an eight-point favorite going into Manhattan, Kansas. And I will let you uh, take over for this one. This one seems to be your favorite one of the week. <laughs> or yeah, at least well, the, most un- the, uh, the underrated game of the week, at least. How about we call it that? Right. And uh, this is just one of those games, I mean, it just looks like a trap. You know, Mississippi State, preseason ranked, uh, you know, has a big win. Week one, Nick Fitzgerald is making his first start this week. Bill Schneider, you know, is always always really good at home. Um, a lot of close games, a lot of upsets. Um, you know, they haven't really been that good the last few years, but they still managed to keep it close against some really good teams. They play the lost to Oklahoma by like a touchdown last year. Um, just, I don't know, just weird things happen uh, when Kansas state's playing. So I'm as a Mississippi state fan, I'm definitely really nervous about that game. I think Mississippi state's got a pretty significant talent edge. Um, but it's just, you know, just like I said, weird things always happen. Bill Schneider, you know, is a great coach. They're not gonna, they're not gonna beat themselves. It's gonna be a really, uh, you know, tough, hard-nosed team, and very disciplined. They're gonna be where they're supposed to be, and uh, should be. I think it's gonna be a little bit closer game than people think. I think the line's like nine and a half right now. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that, unfortunately. I think it's uh, Mississippi State fans are going to have to sweat this one out. But Yeah, and uh, Kansas State, they, I think you and I talked about this. We talked about it in the preseason. You think it's going to be a lot closer game. And, and Kansas State, they always play, like, the, not, the big non-conference opponents that come to Manhattan close. And if the Bill Snyder team, he's going to have a good game plan set up for this one. And even though the, there's a huge uh, talent discrepancy between Mississippi State and Kansas State, I, I still like Mississippi State in this one. But Kansas State is definitely going to come ready to play. And with this one being an 11 a.m. start, like, I don't know if I'd say this favors Mississippi State or Kansas State. That's kind of a good thing for Mississippi State that this is 11 a.m. Because I would rather have this game, you know, early in the day than have this be at night. Yeah, I feel like the 11 a.m. games are always better for the road team, I think. It Just is because it's, it's not it's not as much of a home field advantage when it's that early in the day. It is because nobody wants you know breakfast and football. That's just not as exciting. <laughs> I, I can't I can't stand these eleven a.m. games. I wish that we could find a way to do away with it. But you know, it's stupid TV regulations. I think all SEC games, you know, especially early in the season like this, should be played late afternoon, early evening, at least you know until we get to November. Then when we get to November, I'd be okay with some noon games. Yeah. But early in the season, like a noon game, it's just so demoralizing to me. I just like having games on all day. But I, I will say that, like, going to an 11 a.m. game, it's just the stadiums are just dead. And it's just – it's usually never it is. as fun as a night game. And you don't get to tailgate at all. Like, you just show up and everybody's tired. And, you know, it's just not it's – it's not as – you don't get the full yeah. experience for 11 a.m. Yeah, game. Yeah, 11 a.m. games, it's just – it's a dead atmosphere. It, it's an atmosphere killer. That's what I call it, and I hate 11 a.m. games. So uh, we'll move on to um, – let's go to Kentucky and Florida. Uh, we know the – obviously, we know the winning streak that Florida has over Kentucky, the longest active winning streak in college football over a given opponent. And uh, yeah. this one's in Gainesville. Florida's a 13.5-point favorite. Do you see any chance at all for Kentucky to snap this streak? Um, I see a chance. Um I don't know. I wouldn't feel great about it just because, like we talked about before, Dan Mullen, you know, only lost to Kentucky one time the whole time he was in Mississippi State. Uh, you know, obviously they played – that's a permanent crossover, so they play every year. Um, and I, I just think that he's got Kentucky's number. He's got Mark Stoops' number. And, um, you know, I, I just – Florida has a mental advantage in this game. They're at home. I think they have the better coach. You know, I think they're more talented as a whole. And uh, I didn't really like what I saw uh, from Kentucky's quarterback last week. Um, the junior college transfer, I thought he was going to come in and, you know, do really well. And, I mean, he may still, you know, it's just his first game. But, you know, it gets an inferior opponent, turning the ball over, just didn't really look comfortable. And, you know, I'm just kind of worried about him uh, going against this Florida defense. And Todd Graham is going to be – Todd Grantham, excuse me, is going to be <laughs> uh, blitzing all over the place and making his head spin. So, I definitely like uh, Florida in this game. Yeah, and it's funny, like the last two years that Kentucky's played Florida, I have picked Kentucky to win it, to snap the streak. And both times they have bit me in the ass when I do these uh, pick'em games. So this year I am not going to be done wrong. I am going to go against I am going to go against Kentucky this year. I have to pick Florida. Uh, like he, The biggest reason is that because Grantham is going to blitz seven or eight guys. He's going to have this Kentucky quarterback spinning his head, like you said. And I've seen him bringing lots and lots of pressure. I just don't know if, the, if they're going to be able to handle it. And I think Florida's defense is going to control this game from the get-go. Yeah. 
I agree. And I think Florida's offense is going to do just enough. Um, it will. All right, so uh, we'll move on, to, move on to the two marquee games of the weekend. Uh, we will start off with the game day game. Uh, Clemson at Texas A&M. We play at 6 o'clock that night. Clemson comes in as a 12-point favorite. I'd say that's fairly reasonable, even though A&M is the home team. We got the uh, Dabo, Sweeney, Jimbo Fisher, you know, rematch, as you, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, Jimbo obviously is very familiar with Clemson. He is, and this is an intriguing matchup to me. Uh, A&M looked, even though it was Northwestern State, they looked pretty solid in their first game. You could tell that they looked, they looked a lot more disciplined than they had under Sumlin. And uh, I don't know if uh, A&M really has the physicality to match Clemson, but skill set, like skill players-wise, I think A&M has almost equally as much talent. But the biggest difference to me is that Clemson's offensive line and defensive line is just on another level. And I think that's where this game will be decided. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Clemson's defensive line, you know, is one of the best we've ever seen, the best in college football. Um, you know, they had, I think, it's two or three guys that could have been first-round picks last year decided to come back for their senior year, um, you know, because they didn't want to go out on that lost Alabama. So, uh, you know, really just absolutely loaded defensive line. And I think Texas A&M's offensive line is going to be in for a long day. Right. And I will say uh, I, I like A&M's defense to, uh, you know, make some stops on this Clemson offense, even, you know, regardless if it's Kelly Bryant or Tre- Trevor Lawrence. Uh, this Clemson offense, you know, hasn't been the most impressive to me. Like, it, it's, 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 to me, it should be a lot better than it is. But they just don't really have any stability at quarterback. You know, is it going to be Kelly Bryant? Is it going to be Trevor Lawrence? You know, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. And I, yeah. I, obviously, you know, with Trevor Lawrence, you, you know, the best quarterback in the country coming in, you know, best pro-style pro quarterback, you have to play him. Right. And he is going to be their guy for the future. But you also got to keep Kelly Bryant ha- happy too. But I like A&M to keep this one close uh, with, just because of their defense. I think it's going to be kind of a low-scoring game. Could see this one, you know, maybe stay staying below the twenties uh, potentially, but I don't see it this one getting anywhere close to the thirties. I think it's going to be the teams of the twenties. Uh, I think it's going to be close. I think Clemson's going to, you know, pull away at the end potentially, but I, I like A and M to maybe surprise some people. So watch out. Yeah, absolutely. Texas A&M's defense really kind of an underrated unit. You know, Mike Elko. We talked about him. We're a big fan of what he did at Notre Dame and Wake Forest before that. So, uh, you know, I definitely think that they could get that Clemson offense a hard time. It's just the question is, can Texas A&M's offense put up enough points to keep them in the game? Right. So uh, we'll move on now to the first conference matchup of this season in the SEC, uh, pitting potentially the number one, number two SEC East teams with Georgia traveling to Columbia, South Carolina to play the number 24-ranked South Carolina Gamecocks. And Georgia comes in as a 10-point favorite. And this one I've had circled for a while. I've, I'm really, really excited about this one. I think this is Muschamp's chance to get a big signature victory. And this one is going to be a real uh, – best adjective I can pick for this one. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just going to be – it's going to be a dogfight. Let's just say that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or a cockfight. Who knows? I guess it just depends on who wins. But, uh, 
should be a uh, a really good game. Two really good teams. A lot, you know, South Carolina's been a team that everybody's been picking. So, um, you know, it's kind of a, a sleeper team. They've got a lot of talent. Uh, they're underclassmen. Um, you know, obviously, Will Muschamp has recruited really well, just like he always does. And, um, you know, he is really good at playing those ugly defensive games. These are two coaches that are very, very familiar with each other and uh, run very similar systems. And uh, two coaches that I think are going to call this game pretty conservatively. Um, so I think it's going to be a close, low-scoring game. Um, you know, a lot of people are picking, you know, South Carolina to win this game. But, uh, you know, Georgia, DeAndre Swift and uh, Jake Fromm, you know, I, I think maybe just a little bit too much. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. We will. And the biggest factor in this game is going to be which Jake Bentley shows up. Is it the freshman Jake Bentley that wowed a lot of us, or is it going to be the sophomore slump Jake Bentley? Uh, last yeah. And I mean, I didn't think he was bad la- last year. Uh, he just he didn't really take like a big step forward, like I think a lot he of didn't. people thought he would. And and the crazy thing is, that even though if he didn't, you know, improve from his freshman to sophomore season, the entire team did because they, you know, had a really solid season, finishing eight and four, then winning against Michigan and the uh, in the bowl. Which was impressive. And then they had a nine and four season. And I think this year, you know, they're expected to take another step forward. And if Bentley can take that step forward, this South Carolina team can surprise a lot of people. And this is one of those games like this is a chance for South Carolina to put its staple on the SEC and say, Hey, we're coming for you guys too. It's not just gonna be a you know, two or three team race anymore. We're gonna be in the mix too. So this is South Carolina's chance to send a message. Yeah, and uh, like I think you were about to say a minute ago before I cut you off, but Jake Bentley had a really good game the first week of the season. I know it wasn't like a big-time opponent, but really efficient. The offense looked really explosive. Rico Dowdle, the running back, who we talked about um, last week, had a great game as well. Um, So the two in the backfield, I think, uh, if they keep clicking, could be a a really solid duo. Yeah, I agree. And and I'm I'm excited to see – I mean, I know – I'm. Told you in the early in the season uh, that DeAndre Swift is my guy. I know he didn't get a lot of touches against Austin P, but he's going to get a lot of touches in this game against South Carolina. So I'm curious to watch Swift, you know, and Dowdle uh, go back and forth here because I really like Rico Dowdle too, and he's going to have a solid game. And then seeing Jake Bentley and Jake Fromm, the Battle of the Jakes, uh, this it's a really good matchup. I don't, I wouldn't call it evenly matched. I think Georgia is still a little bit more talented, but South Carolina has a lot of talent too, and. Both teams, like you said, they play play pretty much the same styles. So I, I'm excited to watch this, and I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina wins, but uh, we'll, we'll find out when I make my pick uh, in just a few minutes. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> all right, so You want to go ahead and get into them? Yeah, so we, we've covered all the games now that we wanted to discuss, and we'll move on to the part that everyone's been waiting for, who's going to win this weekend. So now let's let's start off with the – non-SEC games, and we've got – You've actually – I uh, want to pick. Yeah, before we get started, I just want to say you got, like, a one-game lead on me right now. The only difference last week was uh, Florida State and Virginia Tech. I said Virginia, I said uh, Florida State would win easily, and I was totally wrong. Um, so you got a one-game lead on me. I, we haven't decided what we're going to do, um, what the winner's going to get. I'm sure it'll just be, like, food-related. But, uh, it has to be food-related. I mean, we are SEC Slow Smoke. It's definitely going to be food-related. It's just, uh, is it going to be a gift card, or is one of us going to, you know, spoon-feed us a steak dinner? <laughs> uh, spoon-feed a steak dinner? 
Oh, not spoon feed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm saying like I'm sitting here eating steak and you're the one cutting it for me and putting it in my mouth. Okay, that sounded really bad. <laughs> let's just yeah. right, let's just yeah. move on to. Well, you're also assuming you're going to win, but we we will <laughs> at some point in the near future decide what the winner is going to get, and then we'll keep up with it as the season goes on. Right now, you got a one game lead, but I'm about to take it back this week because we got a couple ones that I feel really confident in that uh, I think are going to be different this week. So oh, there we just, go. Let's get it started. All right, so let's start off on the uh, non-SEC games. We're not even going to discuss them. We've already done that, so we're just going to pick. Straight up. So, starting off, Colorado, Nebraska. Who do you have, Holt? Uh, I have Nebraska in this game. I'm going with Scott Frost getting the big win in his in his first in his first game. All right. So now, Michigan State, Arizona State. Who wins? Uh, Michigan State all the way. Uh, Mark D'Antonio is going to have his guys ready to play. They're going to be a little too physical for Arizona State, and uh, they're going to get the win. I'm going to go with uh, Michigan State as well. All right. Next one, uh, we got Iowa State, Iowa. Big battle, the cornfields. Man, this is a tough one. I've, I haven't even really thought about who I wanted to pick in this game, but I'm going to have to go Iowa State. They got the revenge factor. They should have won last year. You know, Matt Campbell, they're going to get the win this year. I'm going to go with Iowa. Kinnick Stadium is too tough a place to play. And I, I, this Iowa team is uh, one of my uh, sleepers this year, so i got to go with Iowa. So there you go. We have our, our first difference. And uh, lastly, we've got USC-Stanford. Who do you have? Uh, of course, I have Stanford. I got them in the playoff. You know, they they, sh- they scared me a little bit last week, but I think they're going to bounce back this week and show everybody that uh, they're going to be a force in the Pac-12 this year. Bryce Love's going to have a huge game. And I'm going to have to go with Stanford as well. I think they're – all right. So, we'll move on to the main four SEC games that we want to pick from. Starting off, we'll pick uh, Mississippi State, Kansas State. Uh, yeah, I mean, it has to go Mississippi State here. It's going to be a close one. They're going to have to sweat it out, but I like Mississippi State to uh, get the win in the end. Nick Fitzgerald's going to make a big play in the fourth quarter to get him the win. I've got Mississippi State bigger than the experts think. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> All right, so next one, we'll, we'll do Kentucky-Florida. Does Florida, or not Florida, does Kentucky finally end this streak? They do not. Florida wins this game. Easy. Two touchdowns. Yeah, and I think I kind of already gave it away earlier when we were discussing it. I picked Kentucky the last two years. Not going to happen this year, Kentucky fans. I'm going to Florida. <laughs> you got your headgear ready for the Florida State <laughs> for the, for the Georgia-South Carolina game? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, I'm not even trying to be like Corso, but, I mean, Kentucky has really pissed me off these last two years when I picked them. Not going to b- fall for that crap this year. Going to Florida. All right, so now we're going to move on to – the big one, big non-conference matchup, Clemson at Texas A&M, the Dabo versus Fisher game. Who do you have? I got Clemson big in this one. Um, I think Texas A&M's offense is really going to struggle. Um, maybe they can get Trevion Williams going, but if they can't, then I think Clemson's going to win this game. Uh, you know, like something like 31-6 to six or something kind of just really ugly game. Ouch. Uh, but e- easy, easy win for Clemson. I've got Clemson in this one, but the Kyle Field factor is going to keep this one closer than what people think. I think this is going to be decided in the single digits, believe it or not. But Clemson will ultimately prevail in the end. All right. So, lastly, we move on to the biggest game of the week in the SEC, even though it's not what game day is hosting because it's on CBS and game day doesn't want to go where CBS is. But this is ultimately the biggest game because it's two ranked. It's also uh, the first SEC matchup of 
and possibly will decide the SEC East, Georgia at South Carolina. All right, Holt, tell us who's going to win. I got to go with the Georgia Bulldogs, man. I know this is a, a tough game for them. I think it's going to be a close game, but uh, I just like Georgia's offensive line, like the running backs, Jake Fromm, Poise quarterback. I uh, got some playmakers on the outside as well, and then, of course, that defense. Um, you know, I, I do expect this to be a close game. It's going to go back and forth. But uh, I like Georgia to, to get the win here on the road. I like that pick, Holt. I do. I really like this Georgia team. <laughs> but uh, if I was Lee Corso, I'd say give me that cockhead. But I, <laughs> I am gonna, I am gonna go with the Fighting Chickens of South Carolina. I am picking South Carolina in this wow. one. I think this is gonna be the signature victory for Will Muschamp. And this is going to send shockwaves throughout college football, and this will be the biggest game of the weekend that everyone talks about. I've got South Carolina winning this one in a thriller in the end. Wow. It's a big game for Jake Bentley. Uh, I'm actually thinking the South Carolina defense is going to be up to the challenge. I think it's going to hold Georgia's offense to under 20, and I think South Carolina's offense is going to be able to score just enough, probably like a score about 17 to 16. Wow. All right. All right, there you, so have, there you it. have it. There you can go make all your picks now because you know who's going to win. I mean, you don't. I mean, you really don't even have to watch the games now. I mean, we already told you what's going to happen. We did. So, all right, you and I have two different picks. So yeah. So we so, so we have we'll some keep chance track for of one of them. Yeah. So I got a chance to put some separation on you. You got a chance to catch up. Yeah, that's so right. We will find out. We will find out on Sunday when we do a recap for this week. This week should be a lot of fun. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at SCC Slow Smoked. Uh, you can follow Holt at uh, Holt Smash eleven sixty six on Twitter. You can follow me MRJB underscore Brooks on Twitter as well. I prefer if you just follow us at SCC Slow Smoked. I don't even tweet that much. I'm really not that exciting on Twitter, regardless. Uh, Holt is a little more more fun. He's more of the uh, condescending guy. So <laughs> I would I would say follow him more. Our other co-host Alex Ship was not here tonight. He had some uh, unexpected business to tend to. Uh, We won't discuss it anymore, but uh, we will uh, see you guys on Sunday. Y'all have a good one.